to another episode of the Jambase podcast. I'm Andy Kahn, and Jambase is a partner of Osiris Media, the podcast network for music. This episode features an interview with Wilco bassist John Stewart. We spoke earlier this week about the band's new album, Cruel Country, and much more. Stick around. That interview is coming right up, right after we hear about this episode's sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Grateful Fred. Grateful Fred specializes in high-quality chrome car badges that incorporate designs like the 13-point bolt, the steely, bears, and numerous other classic Grateful Dead designs. Now they're bringing fans something completely different, a true one-of-a-kind piece of art, the American Beauty Flag, which was inspired by the Grateful Dead and their strong ties to American culture and history. The American Beauty Flag artwork is being auctioned off with the auction benefiting the nonprofit Pets for Vets. Pets for Vets connects America's veterans with shelter pets by rescuing, training, and pairing the companion animals with those that have served in the military. So how did this flag come to be? Grateful Fred started out with one product, a simple 13-point chrome bolt. There was a lot to learn in the beginning, and during their learning phase, Grateful Fred accumulated an abundance of bolts that they weren't comfortable selling due to what some may consider imperceptible defects. No matter how small the scratch or blemish, Grateful Fred didn't feel comfortable making a sale without 100% certainty that the purchaser would be happy with the final product. Long story short, Grateful Fred ended up with a whole bunch of scratch and dent bolts on their hands. So last summer, Grateful Fred made a prototype of the American Beauty flag out of over 500 red, chrome white, and blue bolts. Fred shared the prototype with their followers last 4th of July, and that brings us up to today. In the spirit of continuing to produce the highest quality products for deadheads, Grateful Fred decided to turn all of those red, white, and blue lemons into lemonade. So they reached out to Lionheart Framing in Atlanta to see if they could turn the flag concept into a reality. The end result is a show-stopping, elegantly framed, one-of-a-kind, badass piece of upcycled Grateful Dead art. Visit Grateful Fred to place your online bid for their American Beauty flag and support Pets for Vets. Well, we've reached that wonderful time of year when Fish is on tour. The band kicked off the spring leg of this year's spring and summer tour with three shows in Orange Beach, Alabama, which they followed with two more in Charleston, South Carolina. So far, the band has offered up some interesting song placements. They started the tour with Twist, which had never opened a show before, and two shows later opened with Character Zero for just the second time. And there's been no shortage of improvisation each night so far of the tour. I'm recording this on Wednesday, so last night, Fish played their first ever show at Credit One Stadium in Charleston, South Carolina. The band kept up the tour's trend of starting shows with Monster Jams, and in this case, it was a 23-minute set your soul free. We'll have to wait and see what the band has in store for night two in Charleston. As a reminder, visit Jambase shortly after each and every fish show for a recap that includes the set list and our bite-sized statistical breakdown of what was played that we call the skinny. Last weekend also saw Boston Calling return to Harvard Athletic Complex. The three-day event was attended by Jambase contributors Andrew Bruss and photographer Brian Lasky, who gave a rundown of Boston Calling. This year's headliners were Metallica and Nine Inch Nails. The Strokes were also supposed to play the festival, but canceled due to COVID-19 hitting the band's touring party. That led to Nine Inch Nails performing on both of the first two nights. Head to Jambase to read Andrew's review of Boston Calling, paired with Brian's excellent photos taken throughout the weekend. Last weekend also saw the return of Wilco's Solid Sound Festival at Mass Mocha in North Adams, Massachusetts. You'll hear me talk to John about the event that was held again for the first time since 2019. John had just gotten back from Solid Sound when I spoke to him over a video call from his home in Maine. We talked about Wilco's Solid Sound set that featured the live debuts of all 21 songs that make up the new double album. John told me about being more nervous before the band's recent shows celebrating the 20th anniversary of their album, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, than he was about playing all the new songs on Cruel Country. John is a co-founding member of Wilco, 
and along with Jeff Tweedy is the band's only other constant member. John and Jeff are joined in the band by previous jam-based podcast guest, guitarist Nels Klein, as well as keyboardist Michael Jorgensen, John's rhythm section partner, drummer Glenn Kochi, and multi-instrumentalist Patrick Sanso. Pat and John are also bandmates in the Autumn Defense. The side project performed at Solid Sound and might have new music coming soon. I asked John about his experience performing with David Byrne at Solid Sound. He told me an incredibly cool story about the Talking Heads frontman's history with Mass Mocha, which is an innovative contemporary art museum and creative space. John and I talked quite a bit about the recording process for Cruel Country, which took place over two sessions at the band's Chicago-based recording facility known as The Loft. The new album was tracked live with all the members of the band in the same room, and John told me about how that was something that they hadn't done much of over the past several albums. We also discussed Wilco's decision to make a Big C Country album. Prior to forming Wilco, John joined Jeff and Uncle Tupelo and appeared on the final album recorded by the band often associated with the alt-country label. John talked about the country music influences like Waylon Jennings that helped inform the sound of the album, which is also heavily influenced by Sansone's use of a B-bender device that was invented in the late 1960s by members of the Birds to alter the pitch of a guitar. John touched on how he found the process of making a country album more freeing than limiting, and many other aspects that went into making Cruel Country. All right, let's get to my interview with John Stewart, which will lead into with a bit of the B-Bender featuring track, Falling Apart, off Wilco's terrific new album, Cruel Country. Two, three, four... Don't you fall apart while I'm falling apart? Why don't you get in line behind the tears I'm crying? I know our hearts aren't very smart, but you're gonna have to learn. Learn when it isn't your turn somehow. Here with John Stewart from Wilco. We're going to talk about your album, Cruel Country. It's the 12th studio album that the band's released, and it came out just a few days ago. Um, congratulations. It's, a, it's quite an accomplishment. A double album, 21 tracks. Um, and you guys just played the album at your Solid Sound Festival last weekend, right? We did. Yeah, I just got back. I just got back yesterday, and, and um, yeah, we debuted debuted the whole record on, on, on Friday night. Um, usually Friday night of solid sound, we do something kind of special and, um, you know, yeah. So that was, yeah, that was, that was, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty cool. Pretty intense. Um, yeah, pretty you know, special. Yeah. Learning it all again and trying to get play it in order. So that yeah, was fun. Tell me a little bit about what that was like. Um, learning you know relearning the new songs and, and come and and playing a whole set of brand new music was i assume then that there's a different sort of uh rehearsal that goes into that right yeah it's kind of funny because it, it is like this really um you know and we i talk i talk about it with the other band members and muscle memory and what you know what what you've learned like you know when we've certainly for yankee hotel fox Rider, we we played being there at solid sound as well previous mm -hmm. records and um and uh you know when when you have this like history of playing a song um over time and we have played every every song in the wilco catalog at least maybe a couple of times but some 
thousands of times right um that that it, it exists in there in your brain and your in your you know on some neurological level and um yeah. and how to just untap it and kind of try to open up to it but it's really kind of interesting that um a record that we made fairly recently really i mean it was only like a month and a two months ago that we or a month and a half ago that we mastered it um that um you know, sessions can tend to be a blur like that. And, um, a lot of these songs were, you know, generally with Wilco, it's, it's like really less than it's less than five takes. Sometimes we get up to in the 10 range or something, but it's rare, you know, we usually stop and come back to it at that point. So this stuff doesn't, these, uh, these songs didn't really inhabit. Um, there was just like this kind of fleeting, it was like a breeze going by one day. It wasn't like this. Um, it, it never really got, got in, it never got stuck in, into uh -huh. my head in certain ways. And, um, so it was, it was like actually relearning everything from scratch and like, um, and so there was a, there was a real challenge, a challenge to that. Um, and, uh, but there is also this kind of safety net of, of the, um, of the ensemble and the fact that we, um, you know, you key off of other people doing their mm -hmm. thing and it's almost like this, also this like kind of group force that that's, that's involved. So it's really, it's interesting. And I'm kind of more, more interested in all that kind of stuff. The longer we do it of like, why, how you remember things, why, why certain things you remember. And, you know, I'm sure Did other ones like that have that and sort of, you know, Oh yeah. And, have them like fish or something have these repertoires that are huge like that you know definitely um so did it feel different did, were, were you nervous i guess but did, um, did it did you have a sense of like did you know I, i'm sure you don't really get that nervous that much anymore but like going out and doing something brand new like that for the first time did you have a sort of a different feeling before you took the stage that night um, I, I, because it's solid sound, um, I weirdly don't get nervous because it, it is literally the most like home that's cool. down crowd we're ever go going to have. And we've done it. We've done it several times there. And, and it, it kind of, you always have this, this feeling of like, wait, is this a, if, if something like what would have to happen for me to, like, <laughs> to torpedo this situation at this point, I'd have to basically, collapse on stage. I mean, you know what I mean? I'd have to be basically rendered on, you know, I mean, there's not much you could really do to, to, to sink, to sink it at this point, but I do, I do get nervous. Um, um, the, particularly that, um, um, Yankee hotel Foxtrot 20th anniversary uh -huh. thing we just did because that was, um, much different. It was theatrical. It was, you know, it was, you know, we had strings and horns and a curtain and, you know, so sure. I, I, I did weirdly get nervous for those, the early shows for those, but um, yeah, solid sound is definitely like a, a different thing. It's more comfortable. That's really interesting about the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot because I mean, those songs, you all, you play almost all of those songs fairly regularly, like they're in your repertoire. And, and so like you, you, you have that muscle memory with those songs, you know, but, but it sounds like, the production of it made it challenging for you. It, it did. And you know, what's funny is that, is that we have played the songs a million times and they've, 
as we've done that, they've morphed into these other things. So uh-huh, uh-huh. And that, that was the issue with, with, with that record was going back and really like sort of um, really trying to, trying to honor all the tempos and the, and all of the original parts that, um, and what we learned, it was really funny, but like going back and like, wow, I can't believe we, when did we start doing this or what this part <laughs> There was always a rhyme or reason about what we were doing. Uh, that was one uh, I, I say, oh, now I understand why we did that because, you know, there's uh, that record is so insular and everything when you, when yes. you, do and, um, and taking that into a, uh, uh, taking that into a, like, for example, like MSG or something like that, or some of the mm-hmm. biggest places we've ever played. It's, it's like it, you have, there has to be this, there were some decisions made that made it to the point where we have to be a little bit more um, extroverted or, or we, we changed certain aspects of it. And I'm like, okay, but it, it was like working backwards. Like this is what happened. This is why we did this over the years and how it, how it became this. Um, um, so that, but going back to the muscle memory thing, that, that really is um, when you, when, when things are slightly altered and you're like, Oh, and you're changing things slightly. It's, it's, it's even, it's even more of a, like a, of a mind fuck or something. It's just, I bet. <laughs> and you worked with the guests on Yankee hotel Foxtrot. What was that experience like um, incorporating them into the live show like that? Um, we had, well, we have, we have had a horn section out of Chicago um, the total the, pros, the total pros that, yeah. Paul, uh, um, um, Max Crawford and, and Paul Mertens and, and various other trombonists, but, um, they, uh, they, they're, they're pretty familiar, familiar to us mm-hmm. and they're, they're, they're great. They actually, they do a lot of, a lot of the charts and everything like that, even for okay. certain things. So they were, were, that was very familiar, but we had, um, gosh, I have to, I, I'm totally I'm no, sorry. I got one. I, I I want to ask you though. You had Natalie Cressman, uh, a trombonist, play with you, right. and she's well known. She's been on the Jam Bass podcast. She's in the Transtasio band. Uh, I'm interested to know how that came about. Do you know? I, I'm not exactly sure. I forgot okay. what the connection was. There was some. Uh, I forget if it was through Nels or if it was if if Paul did know her. But but I became once her name was brought up, you know, oh, yeah. found out like what an incredible player and, you know, sort of career she's already had at that yeah. age. And she's just such a, such a badass. And, you know, she didn't quite have the, she didn't quite have the chance to shine the way, um, the way I'm, she does in Trey's band, I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah. It was mostly part, little parts and things, but she was just such a good sport and great energy. It was really cool to, look at the set list the next morning and see pictures and see her on stage with you guys. That was, that was really cool. She's amazing. Break your heart. I'm trying to break your heart. 
solid sound you also played uh, several covers after you did the the cruel country set um how did how did you guys select those songs and what was the sort of thinking behind those uh we were we were trying to you know we we've all been um well i mean i i guess i can't speak for everyone in the band but a lot of the band i know me and pat and, and jeff and um really love that that sort of seventies, seventies into almost like 82 or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and especially like, um, you know, um, just, just the way it whaling records and, 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 yeah. um, honky tonk heroes was always like this huge, you know, that record especially has always been this kind of pinnacle for that, for that era. Um, mm-hmm. for me, um, um, but, um, we, there were just a few little ones that came across, um, Every, everyone's sort of minds um the um uh she's my rock the stony edwards song jeff had, yeah. had been talking about that for quite a while like even before i think we named cruel country i think he played like i feel like we played it in jane i don't know, maybe maybe it was january or something mm-hmm. but it's like wow that's 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 amazing such a great um great story or great message song yeah. and, and it has that it has that that sound, you know. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that definitely. On the floor, sort of, you know. Yep, thing. Yep. And um, um, reincarnation. Roger Miller was a song that I, I think he is like his closing song on the Tweety Show. Definitely is. Yes. Thing on Instagram, yes. right? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Um, is. But, but that goes way back. I mean, I think we recorded that. I mean, we had, we had covered that. I, I want to say on the AM tour, or oh, wow. if, if not earlier, even in in. Tupelo. Um, so I, I knew it. Um, I have, I have, a, I have this, I have that song on, on my jukebox actually. And I think it's a oh. flip side of England's wings. And oh, so cool. I, I hear it all the time <laughs> basically. And it's just definitely in my consciousness that, um, and, uh, but, um, and I, we had proposed some other ones. We were going to do a honky tonk hero song, but we sort of ran out of time. Unfortunately, we were going to yeah. do that song, you know, that song Omaha. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and um, we were going to do that. That was like kind of a big. I remember we used to kick that around with you know me and Jay Bennett sort of bonded over that tune too at some point, and um, and uh, so yeah, that, that song's been like kind of kicking around the. Well, someday still maybe. Yeah, maybe hopefully, but it, it had to either have a phaser, you know, it either had uh-huh, to have uh-huh. an, an MXR phaser on the guitar, or it had to have the four on the floor thing, or you know, mm-hmm. you know, definitely that that sort of love that love that era in um in in Nashville, I guess some, um, you know, the Tom Paul Glazer studio, and, mm-hmm. and, you know that that whole scene. So when you guys were making Cruel Country, were you talking about records like that? Were you referencing other artists and albums? Um, you know, we, 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 we talked about it. We didn't, we didn't, uh, that may have been, we might've played the Stony Edwards song at one point. Um, and, uh, um, and, but we talked, we talked about, we talked about those, um, records, uh, um, 
yeah, Waylon, um, dreaming my dreams, that record. I can't remember if we actually sat down and referenced them because they're definitely, I think they're guys in it. Like, I think Nels, I don't know if this, I mean, if stuff's on, you know, Nels Klein's radar so much. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, right. I'm not sure about Mike. Um, you know, um, but, um, they, they get it for sure. You know, they know the yeah. sound and they, they, um, but, there was also, um, we were, things were moving really fast in the studio as well. We were, you know, we weren't, we didn't really, we weren't, didn't have that much time to like kick around and like listen to stuff and reference it. But, you know, I think there's, there's definitely, um, a connection enough with all of us that when, when Jeff brought out, don't fall apart, for example, you know, it's like, okay, this is, yeah, everyone, <laughs> everyone, you know, Nels grabbed the baritone guitar. It's like, I get it. You know, we'll, you know, we'll, you know, um, we is have that, that how it typically works? Does, does Jeff bring you guys a song and then you guys all just pick up what, what you think sounds right and, and start playing it? Um, we had, well, this, this, the origin of all this stuff was, which was so wild was, was, um, over the pandemic. And it was like, I want to say it was like, was it new year's or, or right around Christmas of 20? Um, he started sending a song a day, um, over, um, on the, on the text thread, um, uh-huh. just a voice, voice message song every day. And, That's um, cool. and it was like, and, and, and it, I think it went on for like 50 days in a row and, oh, wow. um, and uh, it was 50 tunes and, and they were, you know, they were, the quality was very, very, I mean, it was really, it's like, Oh, this is, wow. This is going to be a really cool record, whatever happens the next, the next record. And, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them had this one sort of, this almost this sort of eighties feel, this kind of um, really interesting sort of um, more concise pop, almost kind of new order kind of vibe. But the, the rest were in this really kind of really um, folk um, kind of, dark or darker folk or country kind of vein. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was the sort of thread that we, that we picked up on and, um, which was really cool. And we, 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 we started working on some of the other material, but, uh, we kind of gravitated towards this stuff because it, it, it lent itself to this like ensemble, this seven, the six piece, you know, band in, Uh And it also gave a little bit more room just to stretch out instrumentally, you know, it was a little, it was a little more open-ended kind of stuff, um, you know, which, which did it end up happening in a really, you know, in a nice way on the record. But, um, um, but yeah, that, that, um, you know, so we had the initial tunes and once we, we, we came in for, we had two, um, I want to say two, two week session, two week, week and a half sessions, and it, we would generally do that. It would be like someone would say, I'd like to try this one. You know, I'd like to try this. Uh-huh. Tune. And uh, Jeff had been working on maybe there were a few of them that he had worked on with Glenn um, that had that had drum tracks. But the big majority of it was all just done right there. And it was it was like, let's try this one. You know, he plays it on the couch. You know, we we go and sit down. And, um, everyone had heard the tunes before. I think most of the tunes, maybe there were a couple of mm-hmm. new ones, but, um, so, um, charted out really quick and try to get it in two or three takes. Had you done any like prep work before that? Had you listened to those songs from the voice memos and tried to work out your, your baselines ahead of time? We did. Um, you know what we were doing really, um, when, when he did send the, 
the voice memos out. I think anyone who had a home studio, um, I just threw them, I threw them into pro tools and would do, would do bass and mm-hmm. we were bouncing stuff around back and forth. And there were, there were a few songs that, um, uh, especially the guys who I would say Pat and Mike are the, are more engineer. They're more, they're like, they can come up with really quality tracks in studio. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. The rest of us and my, 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 my recording's not, not all that great. So <laughs> I think Pat was able to actually some, do some things that ended up on the final record remote oh, cool. quite a bit actually. And, um, uh, and Mike as well. And, um, but, um, again, most of it all was done live in there. This was, this was maybe a couple of things like, um, the, the solo songs, universe, that song. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, it was, it was, um, we, so we, we did, we, we did kind of, as a matter of fact, um, that, um, I think the first song that we really tried it on was the, um, uh, the first song we released in the pandemic. Um, don't, <laughs> Don't forget to tell your friends. We did that completely, uh, remotely vocals and everything. And, um, oh, wow. so that, that was the first attempt at a release for that, you know, that, that, um, um, but so, so yeah, those songs had been, you know, I had had, I had had bass ideas on, on quite a few of them beforehand. And, uh, so they, it wasn't, they, you know, I'd say a good, you know, 70% had been heard before. So it was, it was easy to pick up, you know, you had a bit of a starting point beforehand. Totally. And then you mentioned like, there were like two set, two week, two, two week sessions. And that was at the loft, your, your recording facility in, in Chicago. Uh, when you got together there, what was it like once you got in the room together and started playing the songs together? Was that you kind of explained it before, but is that how it kind of went out for the, for the entirety of those sessions? I think it was kind of interesting because the first song, um, you know, he said, I have a new one and we're like, Oh, okay, well let's, let's start with those. Like, uh, tired of taking it out on you or it was, um, and I want to say that, or, um, I'm in, I am in my mother track one was one of the first two from that side. I, I can't remember, but they were both, they were both newer new songs. So, um, yeah, these were totally from scratch, but, but also somewhat straightforward, you know? like yeah good starting place okay great you know what, what, what are we doing here let's chart it out like discuss and we basically sit it sit in a circle um which i i guess it's worth it's worth noting that that really hadn't really happened since sky blue sky because um 
you know, certain challenges also sonically in the, in the loft, I think okay. um, with, with recording that way. And, um, uh, and, and other, just other methods of, of how, how to make a record or other approaches, you know, um, the previous, even from whole love on. Um, but, mm-hmm. um, we, um, over time, Tom Schick, the engineer, engineer producer, well, he's a yes. house loft guy. Yeah. He, um, has really been able to, I mean, we can have piano, we can have any instrumentation in there, no baffles. And he really, he, he doesn't, do have a lot of bleed. It's incredible. He's really, so he really, I think was able to really focus on recording the entire band at one point. I mean, generally even in the whole love, we had, we would have to do three or four guys together, especially if it was loud. And mm-hmm. then we'd have to decide who overdubs and, um, mm-hmm. and it, it just all of a sudden felt really, you know, luxurious to be able to all sit around and discuss and just, look at what you look at what chords and, and everything lyrics Jeff had the arrangement and then just, just take a stab at it all together immediately, you know, yeah, and yeah. See, see how it went and then make, and then make suggestions. Is it too, is it, is it, do we need, do we need another part? Is it too short? Is it, you know, too long? And, and, um, and um, we, you know, I think uh, looking back at sky, uh, sky blue sky, I mean, that was our first record together. And in a way back then, hammering out arrangements, which we did together, it, we hadn't, we just hadn't had the history that we had by, right. by now. So things went just so incredibly fast that way. You know, there were a lot, you know, there's always, always minor, what a minor disagreements or like, oh, mm-hmm. but, but everyone's willing to, you know, ask for something or give up something. And, and it just, just, it's, it's not, it's no, it's never any, it, you know, just everything is facilitated to kind of get to this point as fast as possible. And we're, we're just, um, we were really able to do it this time and to get compelling takes, you know, um, relatively fast. And, uh, and so it, it's just, you know, I, I mean, how there's so few bands that have been together 18 years, you know, I mean, this, this, this lineup, being together 18 years and then, yeah. you know, you know, me and Jeff, of course, much longer. So, um, that, 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 you know, that it, it, it pays dividends in that, in that, in that setting, you know, we're just really able to, to cut to the chase a lot faster. Did that come about organically, like kind of based on the nature of the songs and the way that you were recording, or did you intend like, Hey, let's go back to what we did before and, and, and record all in the same room together and do live takes like that. I think, I think there was, I mean, there was definitely a desire, uh, I mean, but from, I think most, most everyone to get back, to get back to that, um, um, you know, to be, to have everyone around really for the origin of the drum track and everything. I mean, we, mm-hmm. I think, um, uh, Ode to Joy had a lot of, um, quite a few tracks that were like, the arrangement was pretty much intact when, um, and so, and very often the drum, the, you know, they spent a lot of time getting the drum, drum takes down and then us coming in and replacing things or a few, few things, a couple of things done live on that. But, um, um, mainly that was built a lot of these, a lot of the last three, three records. Yeah. The last three records, a lot of the tracks were built, you know, um, mm-hmm. drums, 
start with drums and, and then start add with drums and, and um so yeah not a lot of not a lot of always a lot of live interplay and um and uh and and certainly there's there's a definitely a method or a or an intention for that you know we were with with um with ode to joy we were trying to get this you know kind of primal drum thing and glenn mm-hmm. had, had a lot of time really doing doing you know his his parts that just wouldn't have been able to be done together. So, right. you know, it's always every, every record is like a different story in terms of what, what happens and and how, how you approach it. But, um, this, you know, in, in particular cruel country, it, it felt like a, it was very like much like a session in the way being there, being there had that same feel to it. It felt like this kind of sprawling session. Um, okay. Very, very live, um, uh-huh. live, minimal overdubs, song a day sort of thing, even vocal, mm-hmm. you know, and Jeff was able to, I mean, Jeff was, you know, um, really able to get really good live vocal takes and worked really hard at, at getting compelling takes and, and um, you know, not, not having to fix things. And God, I think there's very little he had to fix on the record and wow. as good as everyone else. So it's a pretty That's live cool. sounding record. It definitely has that it sound that everybody's in the same room together. Cause it makes you feel like you're in the same room with you guys for while you're playing, you know, it has this sort of welcoming sound overall. It, it, would you credit that to, to Tom? Is that something that he's able to do is, do you work, with him he's almost a member of the band at this point he's so involved, I know, right sure. he, he, he's like he is he's like he's worked so closely with this for a long time and i think he, it, definitely his ability to um to to have um sonic um <laughs> sonic integrity mm-hmm. with every every instrument involved and generally the piano the open mics on the piano were always a, a problem at the loft and or just yeah. diff, just some different different bleed issues and um granted it, it helped that the record was i mean it may maybe it dictated the 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 record being a little more subdued and a little quieter yeah um but um mike um you know generally everybody brings a few little tricks to the to the table and mike um mike uh brought in just a piece of felt and just felt and just basically prepared the piano and covered covered the strings completely with felt so it has this it has this really cool prepared sound. It's like this uh-huh. muted, um, um, muted piano sound that um, is really like from the first track on as part of the record. You know, just kind of, you know, have this kind of signature voice to 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 that. And yeah. Mel Dobro, a lot of Dobro, yes, square neck stuff, and then Pat with the B bender stuff you know there are all these different little characteristics or characters we'd like to say you know say these musical characters that appear through the record that try to give it the, the cohesive or the continuity and, and um you know that was something we're always trying to trying to do what about you did you bring any tricks did you play any different instruments <laughs> than was, you normally would it was mainly um I hate to say it. It's like, it's with this kind of stuff. And when you're not, you're just getting a really clean, you're trying to get a really clean sound. I, I just listen for the sonic spectrum in general and say mm-hmm. like what's going on. And you had a lot of, there were a lot of dark tones with that, the yes. piano, for example. Um, and then Jeff playing um, generally um, playing some beautiful Martin guitars, but tuned, tuned down. 
mm-hmm. like half a whole step. And um, so big booming, booming Martins. And so I was like, okay, I, I need the low, I need the fattest bases I could find here, you know, basically. And, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and um, as much as I love playing, um, I love the picky, picky country bass, like those Whalen records and, yeah. and E Spears and the different players that played on that stuff. And they sound like Fender Mustang basses with a pick, you know, mm-hmm. with belt, with, you know, foam under the, under the bridge, but pit too. They, you know, that this beautiful picky sound. And yeah. I wanted to try to, yeah, but it just was, it wasn't really sitting in the track very well when I was doing it. And uh-huh. so it was mainly finger, finger, finger bass playing the the biggest sort of basses I had, which, which is like the Guild Starfire um, that's been around for a long time. But, and just to try to just give a bottom to this big ensemble and, and it, you know, as soon as, as soon as I found, I found that it was kind of hard to get away from it, you know? Yeah. And, um, so it became this kind of that, that band sound that I think probably has even, especially on side three and four, those tunes that really have that, that sound. I you know? think so. I think the country aspect gets more apparent as the record goes along. Like that, that, that last side, the la- like you said, kind of does sort of dig into that a little bit more. When you guys were making the album, were you talking about it being a, I'll use, I'm using air quotes, a country record, you know, a big C country album. Was that part of the conversations you guys were having? It, um, it was a sort of, um, it was, you know, Jeff relaying the idea that, wow, you know, I could write these songs all day, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. Like this, this is very, this feels very home. Which he um, proved to you by sending you 50 of them in a row. Right. 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 And, you know, granted yeah. that, that stuff had some of the other, Sure, sure. stuff in it, you know, so yeah. it was a little bit like, well, you know, it generally, I mean, it's, it's just a comfortable place that Jeff likes to be, you know, I mean, you know, that, that uh, folk based or country based songs, you know, mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. is it is certainly in his, wheel, <laughs> in his wheelhouse and always has been, I think some of the, um, I think, um, once it became clear that, um, like the country is a metaphor and the whole thing, you know, and this idea of the USA and, and, and country, you know, meaning, you know, more than one thing, it was sort of living in a way. And it, and and it was, um, um, I think, ironically, I think when, when Pat started really playing the B bender, because a lot of the guitar interplay stuff we were doing, um, before that, 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 Nels and Pat were some of those longer passages like, um, um, like, um, base of my skull, um, that song and the, um, um, mm-hmm. um, bird without a tail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, 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 that long was, passage in the middle. There's like yeah. 12, there's, it's like still a lot of six string going on, but once he, once he got the B bender, when that enters the conversation, then all of a sudden it's like burrito brothers. It's like late sixties, mm-hmm. California country. It's like, it's so, you know, identifiable and, and, Mm -hmm. and it's just like, that is like the cosmic country sound. And that, um, once he, once, once that entered the conversation, then we were like, okay, this, this kind of has to be, this is a main character of this record. And and yeah, that feels pretty overtly country. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In years past we had, you know, I mean, uncle Tupelo had, 
they had flown the flag for, you know, Hey, we, you know, the Carter family and the Minutemen, you know, this idea of all that. And then a sort of bristling by the time Wilco happened, we were looking for an identity and it it didn't want to be, it didn't want to be that it didn't want to be what uncle Tupelo had done. So Mm -hmm. it's been, yeah, constantly fighting this. um, And I remember like, sort of, yeah, just, I mean, even, um, yeah, just, just, this, I mean, we would have never put a B bender on a record or I don't, well, no, I'm sure Jay Bennett, Jay Bennett had, you know, he had ability like that. Yeah. Uh, he never played a B bender, but it almost sounded like he did. You know, um, I remember him even trying to just get away from that, you know, in those uh-huh. days. So do you, you guys did actively try and avoid that in the past. It sounds like you, you, uh, you, you had a, dis- you would have a discussion and say, no, let's not do that. It's, it's too country. Well, or, or it's, I, I think it was just, I, th- I think we were just much more, well, I mean, just at least the, um, the way, the way everything trended by the time being there happened, you know, we, we did have these, these folky songs on it, but we were much more interested in, a myself and I could probably speak, you know, for Jay Bennett as well, just much more of a, of a pop, like, especially like late sixties, yeah. early seventies, English pop influence, mm-hmm. trying to apply, apply that to the, to the songs that were, were brought by Jeff and, and, um, and then, but also the, with this experimental kind of thing. So we, that was, that was what we were, that was what we were interested in at that point. It was and even though we had far, far away, a song like that on the record that was beautiful. And, um, mm-hmm. but it's like, I remember, you know, I think I remember like Jeff asked, you know, that was when we found out Jay Bennett could play the piano and it's like, Hey, <laughs> let's, 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 let's do some of that. Your beautiful sparse piano and make it sound more like maybe Pink Floyd instead of, instead of your country stuff that would sound right. like, you know, like all something all country, you know, 1997. Yeah. Did, did you find the experience of, of saying we're going to make a country record? Was it, was it freeing or was it limiting or did it fall somewhere in between? Um, I think uh, it was, um, I think it was, it, for me, it was just like pure fun. Once, once um, the idea came about because it, it did, you know, and it, talking about being really into that real era of, of seventies country Mm-hmm. Um, and just to be able to mine that a little bit, um, because, and now there's just so much, I mean, we're so old, there's so much time has elapsed and we just, we don't really, I, I, in a way to, to answer your question really at this point, you know, I, we don't really care about any, you know, yeah. we just do what we do. And, and we, so yeah, we weren't, I wasn't really worried about, about, I don't think any of us were worried about this idea. I mean, the idea of going country is kind of a funny, a funny idea. However, that was brought up, but, um, but no, I, if anything, it allowed us to maybe find this narrow, this narrow to chase this narrow part of the whole country music, you know, three that we were really interested in, which is that, you know, a fresh new focus, right. To some degree. I mean, it was just, it was, and, and it, and something that, was yet also in our, in our, in our ability. And it, it wasn't a stretch, you know, it's not a stretch. It just, I think, I, I think it just narrowed. We were just able to narrow the, that, that whatever we thought of country into what our interests are, which are, which is that era, that, that era of 
seventies, early eighties country. And did you ever think it have fun with it? You know, sure. Did you ever think it wasn't country enough? Was there ever like, Hey, we should add more Dobro, (laughs) you know, Um, well, the, the, um, the, um, the beat bender did end up on stuff that it wasn't on initially. Um, because it did, it did become this kind of mean, this kind Mm -hmm. of important character of the record. And pretty much everything we put it on was like, oh, okay, that's that's right, that's where it should be. Um, but at the same time, the rec- the record is this big sprawling thing, you know, yes. with 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 um, 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 like the many worlds tune yeah. that jam. I mean, which is just very SoCal late late seventies, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. so it, it's. And then songs like Empty Condor and and the and the um, Mystery Binds, those are not country whatsoever. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yes, yeah. I mean there there is this thread, and once once the thematic idea had been made, and and it was like, oh, okay, well, you know, once the title had been brought up, and it wasn't necessarily more about country, mm-hmm. and you know, it that you know, as I mentioned, was a little bit liberating. I imagine. Um, we can, we can get going. Um, I, I do want to circle back real quick to solid sound because you did get to share the stage with David Byrne just a couple of days ago. What was that experience like getting to hang with him and, 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 and meet or, or see him, I guess. Oh, uh, he is great. I mean, it, it's such a, he, he was just so, so lovely and, and affable and kind of, um, you know, I think he had, you know, he had made a connection with Terry Allen Yes, and they had, and they had played together, but he, he came, he came so ready. I mean, I think he made a, he made a little demo of California stars and sent it to Jeff and oh, it was so cool. Like, so I want to hear that, awesome. man. <laughs> singing California stars. It was just like, how that's how sick. That? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, um, so he was, um, but you know, we've had, um, I think a lot of band has had interaction over the years. I met him first and I met him in Dublin in 98 when we were making mermaid Avenue over oh, wow. there. And, um, he was there touring. I forget what record it was, but I, I remember, I remember furry suits on stage. I remember that. I remember I remember some dancing and I think he had, he had a, I have to look. That's cool. But I do remember he was, he was, he was, he was great. He was very um, lovely then. I remember, and actually the only thing I I said to him this weekend was, do you remember meeting in 98? And we talked about the Lewinsky scandal. We, because it (laughs) just wasn't, and that like time stamp that, that month exactly. Yeah. It was like late January '98. It's like that's what was going on. Wow! And, um, but he was just just incredible. And and I mean, and his his relationship with Mass Mocha is so uh, deep. You know, he his music was really um, and uh, important to the continuation of that institution. Mm-hmm. Actually, mm-hmm. there's a wonderful story. Uh, the director Joe Thompson tells about um, the former, he was the Republican governor of Massachusetts, uh, William Weld touring mass mocha. And um, at the time when mass mocha had received some funding from actually Michael Dukakis governor, democratic okay. governor. Yep, yep. Weld had taken over um, and won the election and um, kind of just said, we're cutting all funding for this. This is a crazy idea. This, this big museum in Western Massachusetts. And it right. was like sort of a potential death knell, but he received, and he just showed up one day 
to the museum in the mo- in motorcade and and they they david byrne was the was the artist who was showing at the time and um and uh is an amazing story i almost feel like i shouldn't give it away because uh, joe thompson the d- former director of mass mocha gives the best okay the story but the long story of short was it william well and, and it's a sort of david it was a pretty provocative um uh uh show that he was uh-huh. uh, showing at the time it was a lot of um and um and well went into he said what are you doing here like, like i want to see what you're showing and, and they were like oh boy this is you know he got the headphones and went in and um and came out and um asked joe he said, what's your favorite talking talking heads or what's your favorite talking head song and joe mentioned heaven and uh and william well recited all the lyrics back to him Oh wow! And, and he and and it turned out he was a huge talking head fan. <laughs> like, so, so he had one good thing, right? Republican governors <laughs> yeah. we have now that are like large, huge talking yeah. heads. I think that's what's wrong with the world. Like only in New England, for one thing. I'm sorry. Yeah, right, right, but, um, exactly. It had a lot to do with the actual with the with the museum surviving. And okay. um, that's and, really and cool. It's a wonderful. And Joe Thompson, um, actually, in the the documentary. Um, um museum town he he talks about that uh that meeting and and if you want he tells the story in a much better because he recite he can recite all the lyrics yeah sure um, great story so david david has this amazing connection with 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 mass mocha and that's really cool as well in it and and really funny that's really cool to have him kind of come full circle there then yeah, um, yeah, it's incredible. I think he's. Yeah, I think he he comes. He, he's definitely yeah, popped sure. every couple of years. I think. See what's up. And you also played with Autumn Defense at Solid Sound, right? We did. We we did a gig. We we um we generally tend to play at most of these, um, at either All Solid Sounds or the Sky Blue Sky, just mm-hmm. to kind of you know keep keep the keep, keep the, the flame going. Going, yeah. And um, and I saw you guys that. play in the early two thousands in Iowa City. Oh wow! Yeah, that was, yeah. That was going back. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, we had um. Uh, it, it, it's like, we've had, you know, I was just, just feeling how lucky, I mean, to be able to have, play with people as long as I played with Jeff or with, with Pat. And, but we have the same situation with autumn defense. We've of the rhythms, um, Greg G Wiz was the drummer mm-hmm. we met in new Orleans and he played on the first autumn defense track in 99 and, wow. uh, Jane Hags Haggerty on bass. Who's, um, been with uh us for since 2009 or something like that so they, they're they're just incredible musicians and you know pat's guitar ability and and you know songwriting and, yes. and our harmony and stuff um it continues to make it um 
you know, really fine. And, and the turnout was, I, I, we were blown away because we, it was Sunday. We were just so tired at that yeah. point. We were just beat and it was a, a packed house and really, really That's nice great. audience. And awesome. so, you know, we're, 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 we're getting back in the studio this year. Um, we couldn't, we, we had plans before, and then the pandemic happened. Right. Couldn't make it happen, but we are going to make another record this year. And, um, you know, um, you know, it's, uh, amazing to get together when we that's do great. again. It's well, that's fun. exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping there's new music from you guys soon. That's great. Me too. It should be, I, 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 I there will be something. I'm not, <laughs> I don't know when, exactly when, but sometime, um, sometime. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you've got a few weeks off before Wilco heads overseas for tour. And then you, you're touring quite a bit the rest of the year. So Hopefully we'll get to see you out there. And uh, thanks for taking the time to talk with me today, John. Um, stay I safe. Really, I really enjoyed it. I, it's yeah. been, been a good time, and I hope, um, yeah, I hope it's, uh, I hope it's, um, you know, I hope we can get on the animals. I don't want to. This episode of the Jam Bass Podcast. Our many thanks to each and every one of you out there for listening. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe on your preferred podcasting platform. Many thanks to John for taking some time to talk to me, especially so soon after Solid Sound. Be sure to check out Wilco's excellent new album, Cruel Country, wherever good music is found. Thanks to our sponsor, Grateful Fred. And thanks to Jake Alexander for helping produce this episode. We'll be back next week with another exciting new interview. So in the meantime, stay safe go see live music.